Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 28 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing? I'm David and I'm joined. To my left, there he is, Matt Haney. How are you? Good, mate. Just just had a burger, some fries and, and a beer and I'm ready to go. It has been a good prep session for the pod tonight and over there is Alan. I'm actually feeling rather bloated. No, not sure. I'm not sure I'm You're looking at it as well, mate. <laughs> You're really fair. bloated, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thanks again for joining us. Um, towards the tail end of the season, thanks for sticking with us for 28 episodes thus far, um, listening to us on iTunes or on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from. The Twitter is still there and you're chatting to us loads um, at Thistle Rugby Pod and Instagram is going from strength to strength, Thistle understroke rugby understroke pod. So we're over a thousand on Instagram, aren't we? I think that's how many people we follow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, no. Well, I think we're, said that. we're nudging on to about 800 followers. When are we going to start selling teeth whiner? I'm looking for, I'm going to get some skinny tea. I yeah. Think. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon we should do a skinny tea deal. 764 followers. Uh, we're, 764. We're, getting there. we're doing all right. Good mixture of memes and um, our favorite tries from the week. A couple of good ones from Edinburgh and Glasgow from last week. So get on there. If you are interested, most, um, mo- most of my memes have been getting declined. I keep sending them through and you don't put them up. They're quite I, budget, mate. I don't like you as the gatekeeper to the Instagram account. I can, I can give you the logins. <laughs> but, you know, you're gonna, you live and die by the likes that you generate. <laughs> it's a results business around here. Um, as always, at this time, we're going to ask you to get onto iTunes and leave us a review if you like what we're doing. Five stars, please, and we'll read it out in the pod how about this one from johnny po- johnny ball number five he says good pod five stars um good podcast that covers most of scottish rugby news five star review will be moved down to four stars if ryan wilson continues to be picked on well johnny i think we'll just have to take the four stars won't we <laughs> to be fair to ryan wilson the, the one good thing about him is his social media his social media did is you really see the good. video of him and nick greg and ikea yeah oh so did you see that yeah, yeah oh it's fine. so funny yeah so Maybe we get four and a half for that. Four and a half stars because we give him give him his dues. Um, right, so we've got a really packed episode. We've been away for a couple of weeks due to some scheduling issues. Sorry about that, but we are here now. We're going to catch up with the news from the last couple of weeks as well as some gossip. 
um, for you across some deals that might be coming up and also the Super 6. We're then going to look back at the weekend. Two great bonus point wins for Glasgow and Edinburgh at the weekend. And then what is really exciting, we've got a brilliant chat with um, Scotland and Glasgow hooker Fraser Brown. He joined us at the end of last week, so we're going to drop that in. We recorded it just before um, the Connacht game, so uh, that's really good, and he looked forward to that one. Um, and then, I don't think we've got anything else, do we? A little quiz? Oh, there's a little quiz. <laughs> little little taster for us? Uh uh, one question is to do with the New Newcastle Falcons Melrose Sevens winning team of 2006. Oh, my word. Wow. That <laughs> is truly one for the niche. I feel that I am not going to perform well in that. Right. So why don't we kick off with some news? Um, bit of sad. It's, it happened a wee while ago, and it was obviously mooted earlier in the season, but Duncan the Pudding Weir is officially signed and off to Worcester next year. What do you guys think of that? Devastated. I, I feel sadder than I thought I would. Yeah, it's uh, he's obviously a well-loved member of the Scotland squad because I think when most players leave, most people stay sort of relatively quiet on social media. But basically, mm. every, every one of the sort of the main senior leaders in that squad have sort of basically made a comment about how Edinburgh are going to miss like such a great player. And to be fair, he's stepped up in the last few weeks. Yeah, I was going to say I've. I've I think it's best for the team, but I feel really bad for him. And the way he's sort of conducted himself and hasn't, you know, gone on a sulk or anything, and you know, won us that game against Ulster and has been performing actually really, really well. Yeah. Do you think maybe actually as a backup ten, he wouldn't be that bad? But I don't think he'd be happy in that position because I'm sure he wants to push back into the Scotland squad. I think he will almost certainly be the third string ten next year if he was to stay with Simon Hickey coming in as well. Yeah, definitely. Although I've not been extremely impressed with uh, Van der Waal over the last few weeks mm. he's not had some particularly good performances and fair play to Dunkey for stepping up and getting those wins and playing really really well yeah somebody who well, this is a rumour so you know take us out our word or whatever but Bre- breaking rumour breaking rumour that's true that Gordy Reid is apparently trying to engineer his way back north of the border to Glasgow but Glasgow don't really want him God, he wants too many bags of gold. <laughs> too many bags. He must be on, well, when he was, he was, you know, international prop when he moved to London Irish. He still is, I suppose, but he's barely played any games down there. Mm. They're heading to the championship. Yeah. He must be on about, what, 150 bags, 200 bags? I thought he was on 300 bags. That's on no way bags. 300 bags. Should we stop saying bags? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I it kind of feels like with Ferguson and Batty, they're kind of pretty happy with those two, and then they've got Kebble, who hopefully won't be a shit next yeah. season. Yeah, might get fit if it gets fit. <laughs> Doesn't feel like there's a real need for Glasgow to spend a lot of money. He's a, he's a big fan favorite. I mean, but I don't see a huge amount of value for that squad to bring a guy like Gordy Reid back. Because the type of rugby that they're playing just really doesn't suit what he he offers. But then he was part of the squad that. That won it. And yeah, parts and big performances. God, I wonder we can if, chuck it about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he chucks it whether it's accurate or <laughs> the right time to do it. I wonder if you know life at London Irish has clearly been difficult. He doesn't want to play in the championship. If he could say to Glasgow, "Look, I'll come on a cut price deal," but whether he wants to do that or not, I don't know. But I think if you if you got him at a good price, he would be. He could potentially be of good value. I guess there's an issue as well with he's obviously eyeing up. 2019 World Cup is his final. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And playing in the championship next year is going to restrict 
massively his ability to make that squad. Absolutely. Uh, so that's one for you guys to watch. Um, just something we are hearing on the grapevine. Uh, number three, official announcement from the SRU. Brian Redpath is the new Scotland under-20s coach. What did you guys make of that announcement? Shall I read his quote from literally one year ago today that he gave would, to the Scotsman? I would, I would love that. Please said, do. So this was when he was making his announcement that he was leaving rugby for good. And he said, <laughs> to be honest, players are different these days and so are owners. They're not... Oh, I'm reading the wrong quote. Uh, start again. <laughs> In some ways, you can't really trust many people now in rugby as much as you used to, so I had to make a big decision. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard to get my head around it, but I'm feeling pretty comfortable with it. I just want to get on with a new chapter in my life. Wow. What was that new chapter again? Is it like FX trading or... Yeah. Something like that. Some sort of FX sales role. Maybe he was really bad at that. Yeah. Yeah. Close, finish that chapter relatively quickly. <laughs> it's a brief but chapter. I suppose I suppose the inter- the interesting angle of this is of course that his son Cameron Redpath is at sale is touted as a really really promising prospect. Um and I, I think a lot of the the running was saying that he is interested in playing for England. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, w- do you think the the SRU have got one eye on possibly trying to s- snare him for the Scottish program? Possibly. I mean, he's not tied yet, so why wouldn't you do everything in your power? It seems a bit ridiculous if they've given him, given um, Brian Redpath a really important role within Scottish rugby development yeah. just to get one young player. I mean, he is, he has got an, a fairly int- impressive track record as a coach. Redpath? Yeah. He, uh, he struggled towards think, the tail end. I think end. since Sale, he's not done much. Like, he was at Gloucester and Yorkshire Carnegie and in his first couple of seasons fair. at Gloucester, I think they finished top of the the, the Premiership, but I, then didn't I, go on to I win things. I Honestly, I read it in the in the <laughs> SRU announcement. That was Philip Santandre, wasn't it? Any, anyway, 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 I'm going to get this right. Probably, um, I think the idea that the primary factor is um, Cam Redpath is not going to be true. I hope not. <laughs> and I think probably they're trying to bring in a coach who's probably pretty well respected. And also because there was all the stuff with the under-20 coaches getting loose in Wales and getting, like, arrested by the police. Yeah, so it seems as if Stevie Scott has been canned. Yeah. Nicky Walker's been kept on. I think Ben Fisher's also been canned to be replaced by Steve Laurie. It's all sort of quite funny game of musical chairs. Just shuffle it under the carpet. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Worry about it. It'll be all right. So that is for the under-20s World Cup, which I think kicks off the end of May beginning of June in France. So we'll keep an eye on the under-20s coming off the back of a fairly decent Six Nations. They beat England, but I think they lost their first couple of games, didn't they? They finished bottom. Okay, so not a good Six Nations. <laughs> but they beat England, so... They beat England, which is all that matters, I suppose. Is it the under-20 Italy side who actually looked pretty good? Yeah, I think they, they beat England as yeah, well. Yeah, they beat England at home. No, I think that was the under-18s. Oh, no, it was the under-18s. We really need to get our facts right before we go on this Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, we should stop, have a conversation Stop going down this start. rabbit hole. Good, okay, so for um, on the news, Sam Johnson, this was a tweet from Rob Robertson of the Mail, saying that Sam Johnson, the Australian, will become qualified for Scotland this summer. What do you guys think of him as an addition to Gregor Townsend's um, squad? I mean, it's a position of relative strength in the Scotland squad. Yeah. So he, I think he is a very good player and he's been excellent for Glasgow. And a bit, I'm sure sort of when you think of him as a, a bit of a bargain signing, I'm sure they got him at a, a decent price in, from Queensland. Yeah, I think he could be a good, 
good squad player. I don't see him sort of breaking up the, the current centres that are there. But then at the same time, he has been sort of first pick for Glasgow this season under Dave Rennie. So clearly the coaches do see something in him. Probably the best defensive 12 in Scotland. Yeah, possibly. Or potentially who could play for Scotland. Mm. So it just depends what sort of game plan you want. I feel like he's a little bit more of like a, a Barrett-esque character. He's got some quite nice touches, though. He can pass. Better <laughs> pass than Hugh Jones. Better pass than Hugh Jones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, great signing. I really hope get him a cap in, uh, in the summer. Perfect tour to do it as well. That's true. Why not? But I think you just look at that Scotland centre area, like the strength and depth is an absolute joke. Mm. Yeah, especially with Mark Bennett obviously coming back. Still love Jimmy Johnson. Hey, he's, he's still class. Yeah. I'd like. I would, he threw I would like, one of the biggest forward passes ever to get an yeah, his first that's, try at the weekend. That's the class of the man. He knows he can get away with this. Yeah, sort of exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's keep an eye on that one when Gregor Townsend announces his squad for the summer tour. Um, right, what about this? Some Super 6 gossip. We put this on our Twitter feed a couple of days ago. This is stuff that has reached us through the grapevine from a former Scotland international. That's as much as we can give you about the source. Um, he says that... Melrose, Watsonians, Ayr and Edinburghies are all nailed on to win a franchise place. So what do you think of that? And th- this is also coming from an ex-Scotland international who the club that he's attached to Ooh. has also put in a bid. Wow. So so that's... that's We're getting a little how, bit close how, to revealing. No, there's loads of people who'll be attached. That's you know? true. That's fair. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. It's definitely not someone from the stew mail. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so well, that's the source in terms of he's been close to the application and they must have been told that these four teams yeah. are already already through and maybe um, they're sort of models to aspire to, things you need to do, or that's, that's sort of it and they're well, deliberating over the other two. Does it make sense, those four? I guess the Aki's... Is Aki's versus Harriet's? Mm. Yeah, and it feels like if you just looked at results alone, obviously Harriet's would win stand out. I mean, obviously Aki's haven't even one hundred percent been promoted yet. Yeah, and but if you look at facilities, um, kind of location, and I think there was some sort of tie up with the uni as part of the Aki's bid, which possibly could push them sort of over the line. Yeah, although we've also heard from Harriet's that they're very confident that they're going to get. A franchise, and that's literally from yeah. last night. Well, so yeah, that, we that were... would mean three teams at least in Edinburgh. Yeah, which if you look at the strength of the Premiership, isn't ridiculous. In yeah, terms it, of... it is reflective, isn't it? But yeah. I think in terms of what they'd ideally want, they want a far better geographic. Spread. But in that Edinburgh mix, you know, Curry, you'd be missing out. They've been a sort of very, very strong side in the Premiership for a few years. They are, but if you look at the Curry facilities. They're pretty dog shit. They are. But then they could tie it up with Harriet Watt and have use of the Orium as well. Yeah, but Watsons could do that as well. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's not like a USP for Curry that they uh, can tie up with sort of Harriet Watt. Um, but, well, but I, I would say to that that Harriet Watt, Harriet Watt and Curry have had a historic agreement for players. Yeah. So it makes it more likely. But then I suppose if Harriet Watt, if Watson said, well, no, we're the ones with the franchise, yeah. do you want a partner? They'd say yes. Yeah. Likely. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out because we, we got sent a, uh, a message from the Harriet's Player Facebook group 
and they are super punchy. They are re- they are so confident, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They Recruitment think- plans, plans for the next season. They've got everything. Yeah. So um, it will be interesting to see. Not too long to wait. Just a couple of weeks. I think it's the first week first week of May that gets announced by the SIU. So we will see. I can't, I can't wait to see that. It's, people are going to lose their shit. It's going to yeah. kick off. Just just on the Twitter, the reaction to the twi- Twitter from Melrose. You know, like very very traditional Scottish rugby town. You know they're investing an awful lot in their facilities. Some of the abuse that Melrose as a place was getting for the, rugby They always was, get that from Borders people. Yeah, yeah, think yeah, yeah. Having the sevens is unfair and they don't distribute the wealth and everything. Oh, I understand it. But, but that's Melrose just like... is very small. <laughs> I mean, without is. the sevens, there is no way they could support that sort of team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we will just have to wait and see on that one. But speaking of Melrose, obviously the last bit of news... Um, it was the Melrose Sevens at the weekend. Um, my beloved Watsonians running away with the victories. Did you guys catch much of it? Yeah, I watched a lot of it. It was it was a bit of a funny one because normally they have the professional sides who are always a step above, but do add something like when Carlin Isles was playing, for example, and like Mark Bennett played that year as well. Yeah. Harlequins last year had guys like Charlie Walker. But then it was quite nice in a way that the, the final was genuinely amateur. It was Watsonians against Melrose. I think Melrose are the favourites um, throughout the day and they looked pretty impressive. But Watsonians had done really well on the King of the Sevens circuit for the last two or three years and sort of took that form in without maybe a few of their superstars. So it was really, really impressive. Um, I'd say also Edinburgh Uni were really good and were unlucky not to go further. They beat Harriets in the first round and should have beaten Edinburgh really? in the second. Yeah, they looked like some pretty handy players there. Shall we chat about how bad Poland were? Oh my god! They, I didn't, they see, I didn't like, see this. They shipped about fifty points to Mar. It was embarrassing. Troon is fifty points better than Poland. That is what we're <laughs> there was. Al- there was also a, there was also like a U.S. Eagles development side who kind of think of like a typical American like college player, just yeah. like quite big with absolutely no skills or understanding. Yeah, they were literally awful. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I quite. I actually quite quite like the amateur ethos. It always kind of pissed me off when Saracen sent up some like young, yeah, 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 up yeah. English boys to like come yeah. and like pump everyone. It's uh, it's quite nice to have that sort of old ethos, and it didn't seem to sort of impact sort of like crowd or atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a great day, and you still had like Doddy Weir commentating and his and his kill and his kit and everything. So yeah, yeah it's, yeah, an, it's, it's an, an amazing it's a event. Fixture of the calendar. So and lastly, the. Um, Prem, the the Premiership has completed Melrose taking home that in a vi- in a victory against old rivals Air, so I think that's probably a fair reflection of the season. Yeah, I think so. Probably the best two teams. wasn't a classic. It was a really wet day. It was gr- down the green yards. I thought they'd maybe play it at a neutral venue, but um, yeah, I think Melrose are worthy winners for the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you look at the of how they performed at the start of the season. And obviously they had a little bit of a tail off at the back end, but they've been head and shoulders above everyone else for the rest of the yeah. year. And I think it's probably just a bit of a shame that they weren't able to sort of play the running rugby in the final like they have done for the rest of the season. Mm. Um, but yeah, absolutely great. Well, let's see if they get a franchise um, in about three weeks' time. Actually, speaking of franchises, obviously there's been a lot of news about the Bristol Bears. I'm really excited about all of the rebrands for the franchises. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the Super All-Stars? I can't wait. I mean, um, you've seen how badly the Bristol Bears has gone down. Well, it could be the Sony Bums. It could be the Rodneys. I don't know what you call Melrose and Air. 
We're just going to have to get on. I can't wait. There's so much great consultancy, marketing consultancy work yeah. to yeah. be made around rebranding the Super <laughs> 6. That's going to be so good to watch. Um, right, so we crack on to a bit of pro rugby at the weekend. Um, let's give Edinburgh top billing 52 points to 14 at Murrayfield um, on Saturday afternoon against defending champions, the Scarlets. Tries from Kinghorn, a brace for Big Duhan, Van der Merwe, Hidalgo Klein, Bradbury, Crosby, Bennett and Fowles all crossing for um, Edinburgh. It was amazing. Eight tries in the sunshine in Scotland. It was quite a, quite a brilliant day. What did you guys make of it? Yeah, I mean, looking at that scoreline, you, you, you can't com- complain about it. I mean, the fact was that the Scarlet's team was genuinely awful. I think that you've maybe got one or two players in there who are even pressing for a first team place and aren't even aren't even there. It seems to have a oh, lot yeah. of youngsters on the bench. But, you know, um still Edinburgh needs to go out there and get the bonus point win and they played some nice stuff doing it. So hopefully it's just, you know, about momentum now and confidence and they can take that forward. Yeah, a couple of standouts for me and I'll start by reading his stats line for the year. Duhan van der Merwe on the wing. So nine tries in sixteen matches. 91 carries for 797 metres, 17 clean breaks, and 65 defenders beaten. That is a pretty decent um, acquisition. I can't imagine he was on huge money coming from the sort of Montpellier Academy. No, especially just one-year contract as well. It was obviously just uh, a try-before-you-buy a try mm. sort, of, um, sort of deal. But yeah, very similar to Visser yeah. in a sense. Just big, but actually got good feet for someone of that size. He's, and then, he's great and like he shrugs off half tackles like if he's got a little bit of space on the wing and there's people coming across for cover because he's so big he's so difficult to take down and if anyone goes too high he just sort of shrugs them off and I think the opening score against Scarlet was exactly that yeah, Varndale was just like I have no interest <laughs> in tackling you he's, the, like, he's like what am I doing in the Scarlet like, what's, what's happened to me in what the, is he doing I in the don't know. where has he come from in the in Van der Merwe's second try which is the Hidalgo climb break and then the kick through when the vi- the video pans back, you sort of see Varndell as the opposite winger, <laughs> literally, honestly walking back. He's oh, like, really? He should be screaming to try and hit him in the corner, but he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to make sure he doesn't get under under the posts. Quite right. It's um, it was one of those games that makes you really wish a Sam Hazard Klein was more consistent. Oh yeah, and b possibly he was still keep staying on next season, although he's not officially gone. He's officially I think he said he's leaving. They've announced he's leaving. I think I don't think there's any continuing um, negotiations. I think I think Cockerell even said it. I think he just basically said, you know, we said this is what we can pay you, and he said no. So they've sort of announced that there's a bit of, there's a parting of the ways, which is such a shame, considering we've talked about it an awful lot. We think that that number nine position is where Edinburgh really do need to strengthen. Oh, they need to, yeah. they need to sign with someone for next season, or else. They're going to be in a little bit of trouble. Nathan, Nathan Fowles and Sean Kennedy, it's just not... It's not good enough at all. If, if Edinburgh want to keep progressing. Um. It is a bit of a shame. And speaking, There was a couple of injuries as well, which looked a little bit concerning. Mainly, uh, Blair Kinghorn's done something to his knee. Cockrell's been in the press saying that they're keeping an eye on it. Um, and it doesn't look that bad, but it looks like he may be sidelined. Hopefully nothing too bad. But I know we've said it an awful lot. He just looked so good for like the 55 minutes that he was on the park. He's just, he's such a threat. Yeah, his stat line is still ridiculous for the season in terms of meters made and defenders yeah. beaten, clean breaks. It's just, 
yeah, he just seems to always make something happen when he gets the ball. Yeah, I think really great that they locked him down to a three-year contract. Oh, yeah. About, what, two or three months ago, because mm. I imagine his price tag's gone up pretty yeah. spectacularly since he opened yeah. the Scotland Scotland. He's got a Scotland cap, so what does that add to anyone's? It's like 30 grand or something, I think. Lovely. Like, that is fine. <laughs> that is absolutely Just for a sole cap. Um, and also, it, so it takes Edinburgh to one point behind the Scarlets. So the mock scenario that we've talked about all season yeah. could actually happen here. So if Edinburgh win <laughs> and um, Scarlets lose, they are playing the Dragons, to be fair. I mean, the Dragons lost to Zebra at the weekend. <laughs> that is true, but just bear with me, Alan. <laughs> bear with me. Um, if Edinburgh win, Scarlets lose, or if Edinburgh get a bonus point and um, Scarlets don't, what's the points difference like? It's only 25 points. 25 points. Glasgow take a <laughs> knee and let Edinburgh put 200 <laughs> on them. Glasgow pay their academy. Yeah, Glasgow, Glasgow pay the academy. Edinburgh run in 50, 60 points. It's so then, frustrating that Edinburgh lost that home game to, was it Treviso? Zebre? Treviso. Treviso. Treviso the start because they've actually, actually won they've won more games than than the Scarlet yeah. it's just bonus points but if they won that match but if you look at Treviso that's they've they've won 11 games this year they're not the, the yeah no I agree but still at home at the bottom of that pool you've got Dragons with two wins and Southern Kings with one I think everyone the Kings beat won. the Dragons as well that's their I think everyone win. else has won 11 oh. plus so I mean I amazing for Edinburgh to pick up 14 wins in any case yeah even if Glasgow if Glasgow did put out a weakened team, the great thing as well is Scarlets couldn't complain about it because Glasgow would be like, oh, we're saving ourselves for next week, just like you've done this weekend. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, there's no like, they moral do high it. ground it's be, it'd be so It would piss them off so much, though. It'd be um, great. But I think inevitably Scarlets will probably beat the Dragons with a bonus point. I think so. And then... I think it's, it's wherever it is, they're away from home. It's wherever the Dragons play their rugby. Yeah. Which I don't actually know off the top of my what? head. Rodney, Rodney Parade. Parade. Rodney Parade, yeah. of course. Um, not that that will make a huge difference, you would think, for the Scarlets. Well, I think I know we've been away for sort of two weeks, but probably that Edinburgh performance against Ulster. I mean, Edinburgh were pretty rubbish. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Like, Ulster were by far the better team. Um, and it's just really good that they managed to sort of just have that little blip and then come out absolutely storming at home. Yeah, um, and kind of keep some of that momentum going because I was a bit worried after that Ulster game that they were going to then slow down, get beaten by Scarlets, and end up having to like fight it out to get yeah. in the top three. Mm. Absolutely, it's quite testy actually. Cockrell's been in the press basically saying people keep telling me that Glasgow are the best team in Scotland, but let's see how it goes in two weeks. Like they're trying to ramp up a little bit of the the rivalry. Yeah, I quite like it. It'll be quite good fun. Um, so Glasgow on Friday night. Hosted Connor at Sold Out Scotston, 35-22 um, victory with um, tries for Stuart Hogg, Alex Dunbar, Fraser Brown and Henry Pergos. Um, pretty decent and great to see a lot of guys coming back from injury. Alex Dunbar, Fraser Brown and Callum Gibbons, namely. And, you know, after a little bit of a blip, um, Connor went up. Glasgow then looked pretty decent for their win. Looking at the last two weeks, my concern with Glasgow is still the same, that yes, they will put away Connacht whenever you want. They'll get a bonus yeah. point win. But when the, when the big boys like Scarlets, Leinster, Munster actually want to come out and play, Glasgow just don't have enough to beat them. 
and then obviously with last week them losing to Scarlets away. Mm. They still haven't really won a big game against a top I'm with the you. opposition. I'm absolutely yeah. with you here. Um, but yeah, great to see what Fraser Brown back, Dunbar back, Pete Horn at 10 looking good. Looks again. really MOM. good. Interesting selection. Wonder what's going to happen the next few weeks when we get to crunch playoff games, whether Rennie's going to stick with his man or, or go back to Russell. You would think, surely, that Finn is still the number one starter at Glasgow at 10. Finn didn't start against... Did he start against Exeter in that last Champions Cup match? Uh, he, well, 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 he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Think, he's yeah. been dropped to a few quite big games, though, hasn't he? He didn't start all the Champions Cup games. Yeah, for sure. that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, and Pete Horn, in terms of... He does give, probably give you a bit more control. Yeah. He doesn't do anything... It's different. It's yeah. a it's a completely different mm. option from uh, if you look at Horn Johnson and Dunbar as your midfield versus Finn Dunbar Jones or even Nick Gregg and Nick or Nick Gregg it's a very different offer mm. possibly yeah. not Gregg to Johnson but maybe it's better in these games against you know likes of Scarlets and Munster where you do need to just sort of solidify a bit and tighten things up yeah I guess the objective here was get the win, sew up the, the pool win, which they've done, uh, and sort of move on. I think we, I was a little bit critical, I think, of, you know, surely that is a game which you want Adam Hastings, if he is going to be the future to be playing, would have been my thought, rather than putting Pete Horn out Mate, of he's 10. playing the Melrose Sevens. Priorities. Yeah. Well, that's fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I do agree. Maybe it's still just, it is still quite a big, important game, and Connor haven't been great shakes this season but it's potentially still a bit of a yeah I suppose and then I, I still think that Rennie probably in his mind is not quite decided on whether he's going to play Horner or Russell yet so he yeah. wants to assess his options can you believe that Connacht won the league two years ago oh they're oh, literally they've awful they've gone man. off the boil <laughs> so hard how did that even happen they didn't even have that good players they had like Henshaw and Bundyaki and that was That's about pretty, it yeah. pretty and sweet centres to be fair they had that 10, 12, 13 yeah, yeah, yeah. John Muldoon in the back row yeah but it's interesting to think, though, what is Glasgow's best back line? Because like, traditionally, I would say it's a, a sort of akin to the Scotland one. The interesting thing about it, I think, is that Ali Price this season has sort of played himself into the third choice. Yeah. His interception pass against the Scarlet. Oh, my God. It's exactly the same as in the Wales match. Um, and Pergos this season, when he's come in, has been pretty good. He's been good recently. He wasn't at the start. He wasn't good at the start. Do you think? I thought he was all, all right. I, I thought I remember getting very frustrated with him at the start of the season, but I, and I've been relatively well pleasantly surprised by how good he's been. He was decent on Friday night. Yeah, I uh, I think next season George Horn's going to be number one star pick. Possibly, yeah. It just looks, oh, even though the sevens didn't go particularly well at the weekend. When he's on, when he's on the ball, he's just he's so exciting. He looks really accurate. His skills are incredible. It's so stupid having Pergos, Price, and Horn at Glasgow. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And then only having Fowles and Kennedy at Edinburgh at the moment. I just don't, I can't comprehend it. Unless they think Charlie Shield's going to come through and be unbelievable next year. But the thing about Price and, and Horn is they've kind of come out of nowhere in a relatively short amount of time. Like, you yeah. probably wouldn't have thought that Horn would be as good as he was this season. And Price, to be fair to him, like, a couple of good seasons from Glasgow, but still at the time was signed as kind of like a development player. Yeah. I remember Rather than established players who've moved. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. When we started the pod a year and a half ago, I was banging on that Pergos was the best nine in Scotland. <laughs> And now he's starting in North International in 2016. And I'm pretty sure you all agreed with me. Oh, no way. That's right. <laughs> Mate, I'm a Laidlaw fan. I was like, keep Laidlaw. That's a mental opinion. But it's interesting. Like, Price um, wasn't even on the radar, really, by that point. No. Nope. He only saw, he came off the bench, I think, against Georgia in that last game yeah. for the Autumn Internationals. And that's kind of where he got his first. And um, then he made his, and then when Grieg did his ankle against France, France. Yes. that's then when he sort of came through into prominence through to the summer tours and then the autumn. Yeah, well, kind of last year was the season where he went ahead of Pergos at Glasgow. Yeah. And I don't know if he's just been found out a little bit, but he's just been a lot less effective. He's had a tough year. Yeah. It's been a difficult year for Ali Price. Mm. Obviously, well, Scotland didn't go well for him. Well, just because I, th- I thought maybe something had happened. No, I've got no idea. Over that guy. No, I, I agree. But in his, in his career progression, poor, this is one that can. Yeah. He's not played that much for Glasgow, so. Um, right. Well, we'll come on and speak a little bit more because Glasgow are playing Ulster, but we will do that after our interview with Scotland and Glasgow hooker Fraser Brown. Here he is. And we're delighted to be joined on the line uh, by Scotland international Fraser Brown. How are you, Fraser? Good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. So, what have you been up to uh, today? Uh, I had quite a long day today, actually. I got back in about an hour ago, so um, we had a pretty full-on day. Uh, we we sort of have quite a, an easy start to the week, just guys still a bit sore, so we used the sort of first couple of days more clarity, and then towards the end of the week, about two days out from a game, we, we have a sort of full contact session, so that was today. It was quite a tough day. And we're speaking to you, obviously, a couple of days before you play uh, Connet. How's the how's the squad feeling about that? Yeah, pretty good. Obviously, we're, we're um, pretty disappointed from from last week. Um, just sort of in terms of not just performance, but probably our preparation as well. We thought it probably wasn't quite there. Um, but uh, so it was a bit disappointing. But sort of using that to roll forward to just maybe level ourselves and, and correct a few things that we thought weren't probably going in the right direction so um, it's been a good week this week I think um, sort of everyone's in a pretty decent place and, and for you coming back from uh, from injury are you going to be involved at the weekend? Hopefully hopefully I think this is my fourth comeback of the year <laughs> <laughs> yeah no hopefully I, I, I ruptured the ligament of my ankle against Italy after about 15-20 minutes so um, it's been a, another frustrating couple of weeks but yeah I've been back in full training for the last week or two so hopefully I'll be involved yeah, I guess, how have you found this year? It's been a little bit sort of stop, start. Um, is it just been frustrating in general? Yeah, it's been it's been frustrating. It's been pretty tough, I think. Um, so I had a, an ankle operation in the summer, which which had kind of been planned as something that I'd been 
sort of dealing with for the last two years and it just got to the point where it was just really unstable and it was becoming a bit of an issue um, and then obviously I came back from that and off the back of that I injured my knee yeah. and then came back from that got knocked out came <laughs> back got knocked out again after another couple of games um, and had a bit of a, a layoff just because I'd had a couple of concussions in, in sort of such a short time um, and then on the back of that, I was able to play against Ulster, and then the Beast release came and cancelled that game. Um, <laughs> and was just was just sort of finding my feet again. Um, obviously, it's, it's difficult in a way going straight back into an international because just uh, the level, the intensity level, is so much higher than than it would be say in a a, a league game. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I had a, a nice sort of twenty minute hit out against Ireland, and then. Um, you know, the Italy game was frustrating for a whole lot of reasons. I think we found it difficult to get into our shape and probably sort of take control of the game. Um, but, you know, I got through a decent amount of work in the first 40 minutes. But as I say, I, I ruptured the ligament of my ankle after about 20 minutes. So by the time I had sort of 15 minutes sitting down at half time, <laughs> I was struggling to stand up. So, um, yeah, it's been a frustrating year. I think it's just, it's just been off and on. Yeah. Um, I think when you're when you're playing or when you're a rugby player, all you want to do is play games. And uh, for the majority of the season, I've not been able to do that. So yeah, it's been pretty frustrating. And how how was the mood in the Scotland camp post the Italy game? Was it more about relief just to kind of get the win over the line, or was everyone relatively happy with how the sort of Six Nations had gone in general? No, I think it was mixed. I think. Um, you know, I'd only been in for the last two or three weeks and obviously it didn't start in the, the greatest of fashions with the Wales game down in Cardiff. Um, yeah. But, uh, the, you know, the guys in the squad bounced back really well from that and, and ground out a really sort of good victory against France without playing the sort of flashes of rugby. And then obviously that game at Murrayfield against England was, was brilliant, especially that first 40 minutes. Um, and I think the overall feeling after Italy was, was that... It was disappointing because we were sort of uh, we weren't accurate enough and, and we didn't really take control of the game um, and, and we probably got caught not caught cold at the start but you know Italy came out and I think the first 40 or 50 minutes is probably the, the best 50 minutes they played for not just this season but probably the last the last couple of years um, but but I think you know there, there was a, a bit of realism in, in the changing room afterwards that you know that's a game that maybe a couple of years ago we could have easily seen ourselves losing yeah um, so I think even when you know it's disappointing whether you've not performed pretty well very well or, or things maybe haven't gone your way you're still able to pull out the positives and that you know as a squad there's an improvement there that, that we still managed to to get things right when we needed to to make sure we got over the line no absolutely I th- I'm sure the SAU are pretty happy supposedly Laidlaw's kick earned them an extra 1 million euros because he came third instead of fifth. Ah, well, yeah, that's all right. Um, maybe I should pass that down without the glass going in. It's a, a good result. I mean, you, you touched on it there. I mean, obviously, uh, you've struggled with uh, your concussions this year, and it's become such a big part of the discussion around professional rugby over certainly the last sort of 18 months. I mean, What's what does it feel to be a player going through that HIO protocol? And just f- for the sort of listeners, I mean, and I suppose if you can remember it particularly well, when you come off and you're going through that protocol, what are you asked? What are the the actual sort of specifics of it? Yeah, so it's it's actually really interesting. Like, um, so at the start of every year, 
you set two different types of test baselines. So one's done on a computer, and it's a sort of reaction type test, and um, it's like a, a pack of cards, and there's various different levels to it, and it's just terms of reaction and memory. And um, so that sets your baseline, and then there's another one which we call SCAT, which is, um, you know, your the stuff that everyone's heard about. So you've got to remember sort of ten words and repeat them, and you do that three times. Um, and then there's numbers, and you recite numbers backwards, and it goes from three numbers up to I think it's seven or eight. Um, your balance tests, you know, literally walking down a straight line um, to make sure that your balance isn't off, um, and various other things. And then at the end of the test again, they, they retest to see how many of the words you remembered. So we set that at the start of the year, and you get a score, I think, it's at 40. Um, so basically, when you get taken off for an HIE test, during the game, you do that test again, the, the SCAT, um, and you have to get either the same score or better than you got in the summer. So if you're scoring 40 at 40 in the summer before the season starts, you have to score that again in order for you to pass it um, off the pitch. Um, which, okay. you know, if you're if you're 30 or 40 or 50 minutes into a game and it's a hard game and you're, you're bowling pretty hard, you know, that, that could be difficult in itself before you've necessarily taken a knock to the head. Um, so there's flaws in every test but as it goes it can be fairly robust in identifying anyone that maybe had a suspected head injury definitely that's, that's really really interesting and you've uh, I guess obviously outside of the injuries you've re-signed till 2020 um, yeah. are you I guess with Dave Rennie coming in do you think that obviously with this Glasgow team, there's there's a lot of potential to sort of kick on, especially sort of in Europe where you may not have had the success over the sort of the last couple of years? Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know if, if we went back to last year, we we had a reasonably successful year in terms of Europe. We got to the quarterfinals, and obviously um, the game against Saracens was a bit disappointing from our point of view. But I think yeah. we as a squad felt that we we underachieved in the league. I think you know we finished sixth in the league, um, which was our worst finish for probably five or six years um, and then you know with the new coaching staff coming in with Dave coming in we had a couple of guys that left last year um, it was we thought it was always going to be a, it's an exciting year but it might be a little bit difficult just in terms of transition um, but I think some of the rugby we played this year has been brilliant um, you know in terms of the attacking rugby we play um, and the, the speed and tempo we just try and get into a game um, we do we do cough up the ball probably a bit more than we'd like to this year. I think we're probably one of the top in the league at, at actually turning ball over to opposition. Um, so that's something that we definitely want to look at and address. Because um, if we can limit how much ball we give away, it only means we're going to be even more important in attack. Um, and I think just in terms of the squad, you look at some of the young guys coming through this year. Obviously, you've got you know Matt Ferguson, who I think has been... Brilliant when he's been coming on at eight. Um, you know, he's been a really strong ball carrier. Matty Smith played really well, um, particularly in that period where, where Kelly, Callum Givens was injured. Um, Adam stepped in really well at ten, um, and I think in the Six Nations he showed when he's got to run a game, it's just how consistent and how good he can be. And then you've got guys like, you know, Jamie Bathy, it's his first year really as a full-time pro, yeah. who's not only been playing really well for us all year, you know, he went away to Scotland and played well for Scotland and you know, you've got Xander, who's maybe struggled a little bit this year as well, just in terms of, of picking up a couple of injuries. Obviously, that was the dropping benches on your feet in the <laughs> yeah. just for the Six Nations. But, you know, Xander's only 22 as well. Um, I think people forget that, you know, in terms of prop life, he is still a baby. So, 
he's got so much stuff to learn and, and the young guys in the squad probably achieved or performed at a higher level than was maybe expected of them. So that that's only positive going into the next couple of seasons. Have you have you seen the youngest Ferguson brother? He's bigger than like Matt and He's bigger than all of them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, came in, he came in, I think he watched the game a couple of weeks ago. And um all, you know, all three of them, they don't look they don't look all similar. So I was like, what is that? And like, oh, it's my little brother. And uh, yeah, he's giant. <laughs> did he have a did he have a contract shoved under his nose? Good stuff. And um, I think everyone sort of remembers you for the great performances you've had for Glasgow and uh, and Scotland in the last couple of years. But you sort of had quite a quite a strange sort of past beyond your sort of under twenties career. You sort of uh, we were at Edinburgh for a year and then sort of dropped off the radar for a little bit. Take us back through your sort of your rugby journey and how you sort of ended up where, back at Glasgow and obviously kicking on then to the Scotland squad. Yeah, so obviously I went from school into what we call sort of the junior academy at the time and I was put across to Edinburgh. Um, and then I signed for Edinburgh sort of full-time after my under-20s and I just I struggled for injuries. Um, you know, I was 20-year-old, I was hooker, I was playing, you know, I was a pretty aggressive player um, and I, you know, I love throwing my body around and trying to hit people. And I was probably just too early in my development physically-wise. Um, you know, I had two shoulder operations, I had a neck injury, which I came back from and then re-injured and then had an operation. And that was all before I was 21. Um, and then I was released from Edinburgh. Um, and I just, in, in hindsight, it was probably a good thing for me because it allowed me just time to sort of develop physically. Um, and then, I, you know, I had the summer off. I had the rest of that season off, I had the summer off and I didn't really plan to go back to playing rugby and then I just got bored to be honest <laughs> um, I played rugby from the age of like 7 and I just got bored not doing anything um, so uh, Mark Appleson who was coaching at Harriet's uh, who'd been my coach at uh, Murky when I was at school there I just I texted him one day saying can I just come down for a jog about training like I'm, I'm not really want to play I just want to come and be sociable and I just want to sort of enjoy rugby again and he was like, yeah, of course, come down. Um, and then a week later, I was playing for the ones at seven. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think I was really meant to be playing after my neck operation. And I hadn't told my parents they were in New Zealand at the time of the World Cup. And I just I texted them on Friday night, being like, I, I can't actually come and pick you up at the airport tomorrow. I'm away in Aberdeen playing rugby. And then, but I was like, oh, that's fine, I'll get a taxi. <laughs> so yeah I just went from there how it is, and then at the end of that season I played about sevens um, sort of the Scotland seven stuff um, was doing that I uh, got called into the seven squad to train before we went to um, Australia for the first leg and then I think Pat um, Pat broke a bone in his foot or something at the end of August and uh, Ian Monaghan who'd been one of my coaches in the academy was so the academy coach at Glasgow and he'd mentioned to Gregor, um, you know, Franz as a, as a hooker, he's been playing well, he's been doing a lot of sevens. So Gregor gave me a phone call, I went to Glasgow and then, yeah, I was just there all year and then signed for them full time at the end of that season. Absolute class. And, and then, since, yeah. and was it then almost quite quickly you got called up for the, is it, was it the quadrangular series that, South Africa. Yeah, in South Africa, yeah. I think I'd been a full-time professional for a day. And <laughs> I got called out. I think I was like 7th or 8th choice at the time. And we just had this 
catastrophe of injuries. I think Pat got his first calf against Samoa and uh, he got run over by two and <laughs> he, he got knocked out and did his medial ligament at the same time. Oh, um, God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think I take, take the piss with Pat because the whistle, the whistle had gone about five seconds before and, you know, his first calf he was like, I'm going to smash two and he's like, to this day, I don't know what I was doing. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I went out to that and then uh, sat on the bench against South Africa and then was lucky enough to come off the bench for sort of the last eight minutes against Italy the following week. And then, uh, yeah, I went back to Glasgow and carried on my pre-season. And was that with Scott Johnson was in charge? Yeah, yeah, John was head coach at the time, so um, John was in charge and uh, Jonathan Humphreys, that was his first tour, so he'd just been appointed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that tour, yeah. And then how how have you found Gregor Townsend as a, a coach? Obviously, when you first kind of started being a um, professional sportsman, uh, how much do you think influence did you have on your development? Uh, quite quite a lot, to be honest. I think probably for the first year, um, I maybe didn't quite get it. Um, I didn't quite get the the amount of detail that it took away from the pitch. Yeah. Uh, so, as a young guy, and there's loads of young guys now, they think you turn up, you train, you train hard on the pitch, you shower, you go home, and that's it. And they maybe they get really frustrated why they don't get to play at the weekend. Um, because, you know, probably 70% of the work is done away from the pitch, whether it's analysis, whether it's reviewing, you know, those things, whether it's, it's a skill set of hooker going away and working for three or four hours a week on throwing and studying scrums and things like that. So, I, I probably didn't get that for the first year. Um, and then my second year there, I didn't get selected to go on the Scotland tour to, I think it was America at the time. And it gave me the whole uh, pre-season just to work with Glasgow. Um, and I just, I worked quite a lot with Dougie Hall on that time. And I just, I realised the amount of work that you have to do away from the pitch yeah. in order to be, to, to get where you want to go, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, and I think that was instilled in me by, by Gregor. Um, you know, he's, he's got such a meticulous eye for detail, you know, like, you know, running lines, um, exactly what you're doing off bits of face play. He knows exactly what he wants and he, and he's really good at, especially in attack, identifying how he wants to pull people over the pitch so that he can attack in certain areas. Um, so yeah, that, that part of my game massively, massively influenced by Gregor. And you've been sort of with the squad right through to obviously you, you came off the bench in the, uh, in the Pro 12 final win, so you've really seen been there for the whole development of the squad. Um, what was that like, sort of just growing, growing through, sort of growing up with Glasgow as your professional career sort of um, went on? It's been, yeah, it's been really good. I think um, I, I was actually having a conversation today with a couple of guys that were there at Glasgow before um, there was sort of any success, so they were used to being down at the bottom of the league, you know, winning four games a season if that and it's usually a battle against the Dragons and it finished 6-5 <laughs> and um, you know and they've gone through that whole period of you know we weren't very good and then we realised what it took to become a successful team um, I think I was lucky because I came in just at the start of that, that curve yeah yeah. Um, but I guess what, I, what I'd maybe been through the last couple of years before that in terms of injuries and being released by Edinburgh had, had kind of taught me something similar Um so just being in that environment and obviously going through, I think I was there for sort of two and a half years, and then we won the league. Um, and then just 
after that, how do we within the following year? I think we had the disappointment we lost to to Connacht in the semi final away in Galway, um, and it, it was just how how do you constantly improve, um, and how do you stop yourself from thinking right we've achieved what we wanted to achieve, so that's fine. How do you constantly think yeah right now we need to kick on? Um, so it's been brilliant, and I think just with uh, Gregor, Dan, and, and uh, Matt Taylor, everyone moving up to Scotland and having um, Dave and the new coaches coming this year, it's been a, a really good challenge for myself but probably a lot of guys in the squad that have been there for the last five or six years to look at themselves and look at the, the club as a whole and think right, how can we redevelop ourselves and how can we kick on to the next stage That's brilliant and uh, well thanks for, thanks for giving us so much of your time Fraser. we've just got a a couple more, and, and one which we ask uh, everyone who comes on the pod. Who is the worst roommate you've had during your time at any of your clubs or with uh, with, the, with the national side? Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, we had a, a proper Glasgow Fijian guy. Well, I say Fijian, he's Australian, he's Fijian. I had Jerry Yanayanatawa a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. And um, Jerry is the most devoidest guy you've ever met in your life. <laughs> um, like, we would be sharing a room and Jerry, I was maybe on the bench, I think Jerry was 24th man, and uh, he was in his uni course. So Jerry would wait till I, when I went to sleep, and then about 1 o'clock in the morning, I would wake up and all the lights in the room would be on. Jerry's sitting at the desk doing his uni work. I'd be like, Jerry, what are you doing? He's like, ah, oh, sorry, sorry, bro. Did I wake you up? He's like, all the lights are on, Jerry. He's like, ah, oh, you want me to turn them off? I'm like, yeah, please. And then there's other times like, I'd be watching a film on my iPad, I've got my headphones on. I just see at the corner of my eye, Jerry's just waving at me and I'm just trying to ignore him. <laughs> and Jerry's waving at me again, so I take my headphones off and I'm like, what's, what's, up? what's up, Jerry? What do you want? He's like, oh, you're using your headphones. Can I borrow them? And I'm like, clearly I'm using my headphones. <laughs> I'm watching a film and I'm taking them off the speech. He's like, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, my bad, my bad. And then, yeah, he was just so completely oblivious to anyone else in his room and he was a horrific snorer as well. Um, <laughs> So yeah, Jerry was without Charlotte died was the worst for me. It's just, it just so inappropriate the night before a game. Like I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks for thanks for giving us that insight and for uh, being so generous uh, generous with your time. We'll let you go. Um, best of luck with the the game of uh, Connet at the weekend. Hopefully, you make your fourth return of the season and manage to stay fit for a bit longer. Cheers. Thank you. Great stuff, Fraser. Thanks, thanks a lot. I don't know about you guys. I'm not sure I would make it through like the um, HIA process at the start of the season. It sounds really hard. Sounds really difficult. Um, But good interview. Really good. Really good guy. Really generous with his time. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. uh, And said he was a listener. Said he was a listener as well. So um, Fraser and anyone else out in the squads, if you want to come on. I apologise for everything I said about my love for Rambo. <laughs> I didn't mean it, all right? <laughs> a guy I did ask on Twitter today, actually, who would win in a fight, Fraser Brown or Rambo? What, who you got your, your, your money on? That is... I feel like Fraser Brown's more naturally a bit mental. I think he's, I, I, he's a got a look more. in his eye. Yeah, like he would end you. He's, a, far, he's a farmer as well. Yeah. yeah. Even though he denied knowing me when I played with him at Edinburgh, <laughs> he, um, when I played with him at Edinburgh under 16s, he was just that sort of like hard nut. He was, he used he to was just a, sort he of like scrum w- half then. He no, he was playing. He was playing. He'd moved to the back row by that stage. Oh, had he? And he was. He used to just sort of maraud around, like hitting people. Oh god! And he was never, never particularly talkative, but just like hard. Would have been the worst. Actually, so I've played with Rambo as well. So you know. 
You know that you're think, well placed. Who do you think? Who do you think is going to win in a fight? Frizz, bro. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I think he's just got that little bit, <laughs> little bit of darkness inside him. Yeah, I'm quite scared of him. I think you probably do that. Um, should we begin to wrap this up? We have got a wee quiz, don't we, Alan? I've got a very quick quiz for the absolute diehards. I mean, this is like real niche. Ah, oh, mate. So niche this is the, the bit when we analyze the pods when the yeah. the listeners fall through the floor. I mean, we're dropping to five percent. I'm not. Lie to you. <laughs> uh, Come on, then. Let's go quickly. Easy one to open up. In the history of the Melrose Sevens, which team has won the most times? Oh, Ooh. that's not that easy. Oh, yeah, it's not easy at all. <laughs> oh, good. So, <laughs> Number two. <laughs> when Saracens won the Melrose Sevens in 2012, yep. they had two Scottish in- now Scottish internationalists playing for them. Who were those two players? I think I've got that. That is a good question. One... NZ Mitre Cup region has won the Melrose Sevens <laughs> in its history. Is it A, Southland, B, Bay of Plenty, or C, Wellington? <laughs> Straight down the middle. No and idea. last one is, in 2006, the Falcons won the Melrose Sevens yeah. with another Scottish internationalist in their squad. Who was that player? Have you got that? And he's still playing. Have you got that? Nope. <laughs> the, the, second, the second part of that um, a clue. rules me out. Uh, he's back. Oh, well, I got it, I got it, I got it. Yeah, oh yeah. I've absolutely nailed that. <laughs> I'll make a guess when we get there. <laughs> right. What team has the most wins in Melrose 7's history? I say <sighs> Watson's. Who have you gone for? Melrose. Hoik. Hoik. Oh. I initially uh, went for Gala, but then you told me not to. So yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was good of you. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, Hoik were head and shoulders. Real strong patch in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Fair enough. Well done to them. What two Scottish international players were playing for Saracens when they won the 2012 Melrose Sevens? Dave, I'll come to you first. Duncan Taylor. Duncan Taylor was playing. I've got Duncan Taylor as well. Do you know who the second one was? Um... No, I, 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 I'm really not sure. I've got Kelly Bryan, but I think he might have actually been the coach. Not correct. Current Glasgow and Scotland are back. Playing for Saracens? Playing for Saracens in 2012. Was it DTH? No. I'll give it Ali Price. Ali Price? Really? Was playing in the Saracens team in 2012 really? that won the Merrill Sevens. Yeah, there's a great photo of him. He looks quite fat and he's got like blondish <laughs> hair. It's quite weird. Sweet. Let's dig that out. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think, was he was he at Bedford? Bedford. And they had their link up with Saracens. Oh yeah, of course. Maybe at Leicester for a bit as well. Um, I don't know. Bloody hell, fair play. <laughs> I don't know why I asked this question. What New Zealand region has won the Melrose Sevens? I've gone straight down the middle. Gone for Bay of Plenty. Where you got Davos? I went for Southland because that's where your future family's from. <laughs> uh, well, my future family have never won the Melrose Damn Sevens. It. But Bay of Plenty have. Yes. Oh, um, come on. Back in... Da, 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 I can't even find it. There you go. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, oh, 1992. There you go. And in 2006, the Falcons won the Melrose Sevens. What... Scottish international player who's still currently playing 
was playing in that team. A young Chris Harris. <laughs> <laughs> He's 28, so it could be... Um, it it could 16. Work. 16. Oh, shit. I thought it was 10 years ago. It's actually 12 years ago. It is Tim Visser. Tim oh, Visser was yes. when he was at Newcastle. A very I also young think, Chris Harris. I also think Scott Riddle was in that team as well. Not a Scotland international. No, I'm, just, but I'm saying. Yeah, you know, Scotland seven's captain. Interesting, uh, indeed. I'm trying to find the team, but I can't find it. Um, so well, yeah. we'll let you do that off air, Matt. Exactly. If you don't, if exactly. You don't mind. Um, thanks again for joining us, guys. Um, we will be back next week. We'll join you all the way through the run into the end of the season as Glasgow and Edinburgh go for glory. Um, get on iTunes, leave us a review, please. We're going to not do prediction. Oh weekend. shit, of course. Uh, yeah, Glasgow going to win. Big time. Glasgow are going to win. Big Ulster time. are real. I mean, Ulster got a lot of problems at Ulster the moment. Ulster have got some. They're issues. in quite a good run, though, at the moment. They beat Ospreys 8 0. Oh, yes, they did. And Ospreys are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think Glasgow, but uh, it'll be by 10 points or something. Bonus it'll be quite close. Win. Bonus point win for Glasgow. Yeah. Come at me. There we go. That is what's happening. Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, Instagram Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. We will see you next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.